And then I want to start with a story tonight. Uh, most of you guys know I was in the military, and uh, about 100 pounds ago, I was in the military. And that's a true story. I'm 295. I was 195 when I was in the military. That, that 13 button Navy suit just doesn't fit the same way it used to. Uh, I tried it on not long ago and uh, got rid of it. So uh, those days are long gone. But anyway, I, uh, I joined the military. Matter of fact, uh, when I joined the military, um, I remember it was in March. And what's unique about this story is uh, my dad had bought me a Jeep when I was a kid, a Jeep Grand Cherokee Orvis edition. And he told me very specifically, hey, if you take this Jeep off-roading, I'm going to sell it like it's gone. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to call his bluff on it. Well, they went out of town. I almost rolled the thing, had a bunch of mud underneath it, and he came back in town and was like, we're going to sell it. So he sold it. He literally sold the car. So my senior year, I'm without a car in March. Mom and dad are on vacation, and I'm walking to the bank because I need to get some money, and I don't have a car. So as I'm walking back home from the bank, I walk by the recruiter station and literally pass it and like get 50 feet by it. And then I stop and I'm like, I'm going to go in there and talk to those guys. And I come out of that meeting with those guys signed up for the military. Like, and I call my mom and dad and they were on vacation. And so I called my mom and she picks up her phone and I said, Hey mom, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, your dad and I are at Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I'm like, well, I just signed up for the Navy. So not, not really the, the best time to tell your mom you joined the Navy. Uh, why she's literally at Pearl Harbor. Uh, but anyway, so I go to boot camp and I was going to be a military police officer and I get to boot camp seven weeks into boot camp, boot camp's eight and a half weeks long. And, um, I was really excited to graduate boot camp. I was like the guy that was going to come out with the sword and do the whole honors thing. And I put salt in the guy's drink and my drill instructor saw me do it. And they were like, Hey, you're going to go get a page 13, which is like a written slap on the wrist. Right? So I show up and the commanding officers there and they're like, you violated a direct order. This is a new military and there's no hazing. And at 18, not really recognizing where I'm at, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And you know, that's not necessarily the attitude to have in that moment. But I'm like, I put salt in the drink. So they're like, hey, you're going to non-judicial court-martial. Yeah, for salt. And so anyway, I go and they slap me with an Article 92, which is dereliction of duty under the Uniform Code of Military Justice they rolled me back in rank, reduced pay for two months, and then they threw it at me. They're like, hey, and you're going you're gonna to start boot camp over from day one. Yeah. Which was another phone call to mom and dad. And the reason why I remember the date is because it was my mom and dad's wedding anniversary. And I called my mom, and I'm sure she's thinking, man, this is great. They're letting my son call me on our anniversary. I was like, hey, mom, can't really get into details. Cancel the flights. You guys can't come up here. It's going to be another two months. I'll write you a letter and let you know what's going on. And then they hung up the phone. So at this point, mom's pretty upset about the whole Navy situation, right? But what's funny about this story, and it's how I got to where, I, where we're going to get to here, is my best friend joined the Navy as well. And he was going to be a military police officer. And in this process, the day we were supposed to graduate, I now see him come into the room. He comes into the room with two military escorts, and I'm like, what did you do? You're supposed to be at graduation. So I kind of give him the signal. He goes in the bathroom. I'm like, what's up? He's like, well, I got an article 92 as well. I'm like, that's crazy. What are you doing? He's like, well, I can't be a cop anymore in the military because of this article 92. I was like, sucks to be you, bro. They didn't say that to me. So what's he do? He goes into the classifier's office and is like, I think there's something wrong with my thing because he got an article 92, totally throws me under the bus. 
And that's how I became a CB in the United States Navy. And <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, you know, everything works out the way that it's supposed to. That's how I met my wife. Um, and that's how God orchestrated everything. But what, what I want to get to is, as a CB, we deployed. And when we deployed uh, overseas in the Middle East, we were going through a training, a field exercise. For those of you in here that, that have been in the military, maybe you know what a field exercise is. But it was four weeks in Mississippi in August, uh, no showers, living, sleeping under the stars, rain, heat. It was terrible. I'd take two months in Baghdad before I'd go two weeks in Mississippi again. And uh, for, for Mississippi, I'm sorry, but it's a pretty terrible place. <laughs> but anyway, the process that we had, I was a part of an air detachment. And one of the things that we would do is we would go out and we would leave our main body camp and we would go out and we would establish a base. And there was things that we were designed to do. And we would do that and we'd do that for five or six days and then we'd go do that again. And as I was thinking about this message, the Lord reminded me of that because I think the call of God for us as men is very similar to what we would do. And if you're taking notes, what I want you to do is write this down. There's three things that we would do that I believe God wants all of us to do. And the first one is we would build a fortress. We would create a space where we would create protection. Number two is we would advance. There was a mission or there was something for us to do to advance. And then number three there was a war that we were to win. There was a mission and a battle that we were to win. And as I think about those things, I think very much like we were designed to do that in that space. I believe that God has equipped and called every single one of us to do those three things. That he's given us someone to protect. He's given us something to protect ourselves, our spouses. He's given us a kingdom to advance and he's given us a battle to win. So let's dive in and look at each one of those things. I want to look at the word fortress here. The word fortress is a fortified structure, which means that it's a place provided with defensive works to prepare against attacks. One of the things we have to understand about Christianity and about, believing, and about being a believer is it's, it's, not a walk, it's not a walk on the beach. <laughs> it's, it's not a walk, and especially in the world that we live in today. Like, it's, it's a straight-up battle. Every time we wake up, we've got to be prepared to go to battle. And part of that battle is because we understand that there's an enemy that wants to attack us. There's an enemy who hates us. We talked about that. I think Trevor said it so well. Like, the enemy, it, it, Trevor, even at, is at 12 years old as a kid, like, the enemy is not taking it nice on anybody. He's not taking it easy on anyone. And so what he wants to do is he wants to come against us. And so we've got to understand that we are called to protect ourselves. Now, first and foremost, this starts with us. So I look at your neighbor and say, it starts with me. It starts with us. We have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect ourselves. And so I ask the same questions that like we talked about this morning. What are you doing to protect yourself? What are you doing? What things do you have in place that are protecting yourself? In 1 Peter 5, chapter, or, uh, verse 8, uh, you've probably heard this verse before, but it says, it says that we're to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, who's the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We understand that there's an enemy out there. There's a very real devil. And you know, here's something that's crazy. I was looking this up. Barna, who's a Christian research uh, firm, like 60-something percent of Christians don't even believe that there's a real devil. If, if that's you in this room, let me just tell you right now, he's real and he hates you 
and he's going to do everything he can to attack you. It's, it's important that we understand that there's an enemy. But when it's talking about this, notice that what it says in there, it doesn't say that there's an enemy seeking whom he can devour. It says seeking whom he may devour. This is really important for us to understand because it doesn't speak to the ability. Like one of the things that's so, that's so helpful for us to understand is when you got saved, you were given the authority and the power to absolutely rebuke the enemy over your life. Yeah. You don't have to accept it. Like when the enemy comes after you and attacks you, you don't have to just sit here and go, well, okay, I guess it's my turn to take a punch. No, not at all. It doesn't speak to ability. It speaks to permission. What this is saying is, is the enemy is walking around looking for an open door to walk into, looking for an open door where he can sink his teeth in. Let's, let's think about this from a military term. And, and I'll... I'll help you understand maybe, maybe how crazy it sounds or how, how unique it sounds when you go, no, I'm, I'm good in that area. So let's pretend for just a minute that we've got a fortress, right? So we've built our fortress. And the enemy historically is attacking us from the north, from the east, and the west, okay? But in all the time that we've been there, the enemy hasn't hit us from the south. And so we're going through the process, and we're trying to figure out our battle plan, and we're coming together and we're like, you know what? Let's make sure we got people on the north. Let's make sure we got people in the, the east and the west. But man, the south, you know, our enemy is going to have to go over a mountain. He's going to have to come through a river. Like the likelihood of him hitting us there is pretty slim. So I don't know that we really need to put any protection there. Right? Now that, that sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? When you think about it, like you're going, no. If the enemy has an opportunity, we're going to make sure that we're fully protected. Right? So here's what I want to say to you. Because oftentimes, and, and I've even had this happen um, over the last couple of weeks talking to some guys, the, the comment is this. Well, you know what? I really don't struggle with, with pornography. <laughs> like, it's not an issue. Or I, I really haven't had any issues with, with maybe the desire to want to have an affair on my wife. So I don't really know that I need that protection. Like, <laughs> I get it. I'm not supposed to, you know, it's probably not good for me to have this relationship with this person of the opposite sex, but nothing's really there right now. You know, my wife wants me to put covenant eyes on my phone, but, you know, Josh, if, if we're being honest, I really don't struggle with it. Well, I would say this to you, man, congratulations. I am grateful that you're not struggling with it. But what you've got to understand is there's going to come a point where you're weak. There's going to come a point where you're alone. There's going to come a point where you're in a famished state and the enemy's going to go, the south gate's open. I'm coming up over this mountain. I'm going through the water. And guess what? It's an open door. We have to absolutely be vigilant. I'm telling you right now, we have to be vigilant. Because if we're not, what ends up happening is we just kind of go through things. And when things look innocent, they appear to be innocent. We start getting ourselves in conversations. We start looking at stuff that we shouldn't look at. We sit here and we start to justify it and go, well, it's not pornography, but you know what? It's a show that has a lot of nudity in it, and it's really not that big of a deal. And then we go down, and the enemy's just like, hey, I'm in the south gate. I'm in the south gate. They don't have the protection that they need. It's important for us to make sure all sides are covered. What, what does that mean? That means that we don't just have stuff on our phones. That doesn't mean that we, or that doesn't mean that we just don't have stuff on our, our it means that we've got, We've got a group of guys. We've got a group of guys that's like, hey, man, I, <laughs> I don't want to get caught up in this. So if you see anything, 
If you, if you see me having a relationship with somebody that I shouldn't have, if you see me engaged in a conversation I shouldn't be in, man, just pull me aside. I'm going to tell you what, Jared Lawrenson's a guy to grab onto for that. We were joking outside, but Jared's got no problem telling you you're messing up. Jared will be like, hey, bud, stop it. You need to do better. Like, you need people in your life like that. You need your wife to be able to know what your four-digit password is on your phone. When your wife says, hey, I'd like to look at your Facebook account. Sure. It's all yours, hon. Go ahead, take a look at it. Like, none of that stuff needs to be hidden because anywhere where there's anything that's hidden is an open door for the enemy to come in and attack you. You guys tracking with me? So we got to protect ourselves. And I love this because Pastor Josh and I didn't really compare notes. I knew what he was talking about, but there's a lot of stuff that we're kind of having the same similar theme. I'm going to spend some time in Genesis 2 here. Uh, But man, I'm telling you what, I think the Holy Spirit's got some stuff here, so I'm going to expand on it a little bit. But beyond the fact that we're called to protect ourselves, if you're married in this room or you want to be married in this room, your second your second assignment is to protect your spouse. You have to protect your spouse. Look at what it says in Genesis 2.15. It says, And the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden, and he put him there to dress it and to keep it. Now, I got this from Pastor Ken. Pastor Ken, I got to tell you, man, you are a deep well. I love talking with you. Um, He was talking to me about this, and he says, you know what it means to dress it and to keep it? And we were actually talking two days ago, and he said, well, here's what it means. It says to dress it is to work it. I think Pastor Josh talked about that yesterday. Like it's important that Adam had the assignment to dress the garden, to work it. After that was given to him, it was to keep it, which means to protect. It was his assignment to protect the garden. Not just everything that was inside the hedge, but when Eve came on the scene, it was his assignment to protect Eve. That was the assignment that God gave Adam. And when you look at it, God created Adam first because he put him in a position of authority so that he could do that. And when Eve ate of the fruit, it's not like Adam was all the way over here in this other part of the garden. He was there. <laughs> like, it's not like Adam came running up and she's halfway through this, this fruit and going, what are you doing? He was there. And not only was he there, he didn't prepare her for the moment where the enemy came in and said, hey, I got something for you. So what we have to understand is if we look at it, it's pretty easy for us, if you just read it at face value, to go, man, everything was good until Eve showed up. But what's interesting is when God comes back onto the scene, who does God address first? God doesn't go, hey, Eve, what are you doing? He calls out to Adam. And when we look in the New Testament, it's actually called the sin of Adam, not the sin of Eve because it was his responsibility to protect Eve. And let me tell you something, that's our assignment. The assignment is still the same for us. The assignment for us is to sit here and go, you know what, my first responsibility is to protect myself, my second responsibility is to protect my spouse, and to assume that responsibility. And here's what we have to understand, it doesn't mean that we're better. All right, one of the things that was great about last night is we learned that that when we partner with our spouse, It means that God has put us together so that we can move forward. But what it does mean is we have the responsibility and it rests on our shoulders. So that's something that we have to take very seriously. Uh, Looking here, I want to talk about also the the idea of protecting our kids. Like, man, this is is something that for me, I've got kids, I got a 10-year-old, a 9-year-old, and now a 6-year-old. 
And what's interesting about protecting your kids is, man, it changes so much as they get older. <laughs> like, just the overall process. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, if you got young kids and you haven't had the conversation about sex and purity yet, man, just get ready, okay? I will tell you what, what's interesting about it is it used to be something that I was incredibly like going, oh my goodness, this is gonna be, <laughs> this is gonna be unique. But what I've discovered is when you invite the Holy Spirit in, and your posture is I want to protect my kids and I want to make sure that they're set up for it, it's actually one of the coolest conversations you can have with your kids. It's unbelievable. Like my 10-year-old and 9-year-old, some of the stuff that we talk to them about, man, it's great to just see them begin to gain an understanding. And of course, you don't want to just automatically just open it up. I, I would recommend you to, if you haven't had that conversation yet, I mean, talk to somebody who has and say, hey, maybe give me some counsel and some advice on, on how we can ease them into this. Um, but it's so important, you know, as kids, like with little kids, we want to protect them. We want to make sure that they're, they're not getting hurt. They're not playing in the road. But as they grow older, what are we doing? What's our investment look like? Like what, what does it look like as far as how much time are we investing with our children? I, my wife brought something to my attention not long ago. I, uh, I was under the uh, assumption, I guess assumption is probably not the right word, but I had this thought that, man, I'm spending some great time with my kids. And really what it was is we've got a lot of really good friends who have kids our kids' age. And, man, we spend a lot of time together. And uh, they'll come over to the house. We'll go over to their house. And the kids are playing. And what I was doing is I was mistaking that time as family time because we're all together. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, we've been spending a ton of time with the kids. But one thing I want you to understand is this, is your kids don't look at that as time with mom and dad. They look at that as time with friends. And my wife was like, hey, we're not, like we began to see some things and she's like, we're, we're, th that's not the time that we need to be spending with the kids. And so you need to be real intentional, uh, intentional with the time with your kids. If you've got daughters, are you dating your daughters? Are you taking them? Are you spending intentional time with them, talking to them? Are you, here, here's something that, that, that I feel like is important. Are your kids seeing you do as much as you need, to, or I, I, wrote, I wrote that down. Hold on, I was going to try to get that without looking at it. Uh, but uh, where did I put that? It's in here somewhere. Um, what I want you to, okay, here's what it is. Are your kids seeing you do as much as they're hearing you say? Like, are they seeing you do as much as they're hearing you say? Because so much of it is observation, not hearing it. Like, are, you, are your kids seeing the way that you protect yourself with purity? Are your kids seeing the way that you love your spouse? Are your kids seeing the integrity you have in the workplace? Are they seeing you in the Word? Are they seeing you serving at church? I'll say that again. Are they seeing you serve at church? Because we're all going to want them to get involved in church. So it's so important for us to understand that. Get intentional with your kids. Get intentional with your kids. One of the best, one of the best lessons that I've ever learn from Pastor Josh is spend time with your kids, make scheduled time. This is when I'm taking you on a date. This is when I'm spending time with you. And man, what's great about it is those conversations and those issues that they're going to run into, guess what? They're coming to mom and dad for them. They're not going to their friends about it. That's how we protect our kids. That's how we, that's how we keep everything in our hedge. That's how we keep it protected. Number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Advance the kingdom. Advance the kingdom. God's given us a kingdom to advance. God's given us a kingdom 
to advance. I love what it says in Matthew. It says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. One of the things that we have to understand is we have the keys to the kingdom of God. And we have the assignment to advance the kingdom of God. And I love what it says after that. It goes on to say, hey, I'm not only giving you the keys to the kingdom, but he goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So what he's saying is, here's the keys, here's the authority. You have both of them. You've got, you've got the kingdom assignment, and you also have the kingdom authority to move forward and advance the kingdom of God. And for a lot of us, it's the same. What we have to understand is advancing the kingdom looks the same for a lot of us because we, we want to advance the kingdom of God. We want to share the gospel. We want to partner with the Lord in the Great Commission. But it's also specific to what it is that we're doing, right? Like what Pastor Josh talked about last night. What mission and what vision do you have? And you, here, here's what I want you to understand, too. It's important for us to grab vision on this because advancing the kingdom of God is a cause that's worth fighting for. (laughs) And if we don't understand that, then we actually spend a lot of time fighting against the cause that we're supposed to be fighting for. Do you get what I'm saying? Like if we don't understand this is something worth fighting for, then God's going to put someone like our wife in a relationship that we need. God's going to put maybe uh, a mentor or somebody in our life that's there to help us advance that. And if we don't recognize what it is that we're doing, we actually end up fighting against that, and it's a way that the enemy gets in and goes, hey, we're going we're gonna to keep them from advancing. We have to understand it's a cause worth fighting for. And one of the ways that we understand that is just like what uh, the Bible says in Matthew, there was, or when it says that uh, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it's his kingdom come, his will be done. What we understand when we get to that point is it's not, it's not the kingdom of Josh Romano that I'm building. It's the kingdom of heaven, right? And it, it's, it's really helpful for us to understand that because otherwise we end up fighting and we end up going and we spend all of our time, man, I got I to gotta spend all this time making sure that I'm earning money for my family. <laughs> you know what the Bible says is when we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else is added unto it. So what that means is that desire you have to want to earn an income for your family and want to help your family advance, the, 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 the uh, equation to that is, that's great. Seek the kingdom of God. I'll add everything on unto it. I'm going to attach everything you need. It's like when they gave us an assignment to go out and patrol or they gave us an assignment to go on and, and, and make some sort of military advancement. They didn't put us in Fallujah and say, okay, here you go. Here's some bows and arrows. Have fun. (laughs) We'd have been smoked. What they say is, hey, here's the assignment, okay? I want you, we would come together. We would have a meeting. Hey, here's what we're supposed to do. Here's here's where we're at, okay? Now, here's all the equipment you need. Go out and be successful. That's what God says here. Here's the assignment of advancing the kingdom, and here's the word of God so that you can go out and be successful. You guys get me on this? And as I was thinking about this, um, I actually got to this point as I was preparing, and I kind of found myself going, man, Lord, are you sure that's what you want me to share? And I, I, really, I really do feel like this is important to share. I, I think, obviously, there's, there's a couple things that we struggle with as men. Uh, the first one we've talked about in length uh, with, with pornography and, and lust. And like David said this morning, it's the sin uh, that so easily entangles us. But, but the other one is, is our finances. And 
You know, I've experienced this in my own life. And so I, don't, I share this to you from a standpoint of going, this is so important to understanding how to advance the kingdom of God. <laughs> Nothing, I, I truly believe this, outside of the sin that we talked about this morning, I don't think there's anything else that will keep you moving forward in God's assignment for you if you can't understand this. So important. And I think for us, because of what we deal with in life, like as far as being the one responsible, the one who's making sure that we're responsible to take care of the mortgage, put food on the table, to make sure that the kids go to college. Like we wear that. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes it's, it's easy for us to feel that stress and feel that pressure, especially when things get tight, right? And so there's this thought process that's like, oh my goodness, I, I got to make sure that this is good. And what the enemy will do is when you start to read the Bible and it talks about tithing and being generous with your funds, you're going to go, yeah, I just can't do that <laughs> because it just doesn't make sense. Like I've got all this stuff that I got to do. And so I need to make sure, and again, this points back to understanding what we're advancing. I need to make sure that I'm advancing my kingdom and then I'll help God over here with his. And what we have to understand is it doesn't work that way. Malachi says this. It says that when we understand this principle, he rebukes the devourer in our half. You know what that means? That means when he gives us the assignment and we go out on patrol, he's the sniper that sees the enemy coming over here and boom, he takes him out. Like, okay, Josh is being faithful. He's got my assignment. He's going out. And you know what? He's doing what the word says. And check it out. Here comes the enemy. He can't see it. I'm going to go ahead and take him out. That's what that means. That's what that means. And if, and if we can understand that, you know, it's great. Matthew says this, that where your treasure is, your heart will follow. Okay. So let's, let's look at it from a kingdom standpoint. Okay. So my treasure, if it's tied to me building my kingdom, guess what happens? My heart follows what I want for me. And that means that when Pastor Tonda or I and Ashley get up and talk in a couple of weeks and they start talking about, man, this is Surf Saturday, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't take that time off because, you know, and I got to make sure that I'm, I'm at work. I know Pastor talks about taking a Sabbath and I know that I really, really need it, but you know what, man, I got to, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it because if I do it, then there's a chance that I won't have enough. When it comes to an opportunity for me to give of what God's blessed me with, I'm going to sit here and go, no, just not going to do it. Like, what we got to understand is, man, that stuff, will, that stuff will stifle the call of God on your life. You will not move forward if you can't understand that principle. But what's great about it is when you understand the principle, man, God begins to do some amazing stuff with it. God begins to move in a mighty, mighty way on your life. I've seen it in my own life. I could tell you the, the lowest part of my life is when I was trying to do everything I could to advance my kingdom, and I wanted nothing to do with this principle. And here's the thing. I grew up in church hearing this all over. Like, I heard it. I heard it every weekend. But I was like, you know what? I can't do that. And then when God opened up my eyes and I began to walk through this, what happened was, is God began to bless what I gave him, and he began to break things off of me that that spirit had over me. He began to say, hey, we're going to multiply this. I'm going to multiply your energy. I'm going to multiply your time. I'm going to give you health. I'm going to make sure that this stuff... Doesn't, and it doesn't attack you. And then here's what, what was, was great about it is, man, my heart and my love for Jesus began to grow greater than it ever had because my heart followed my treasure. And so what happens? I'll, I'll say this, about 90% of my income that I make comes from outside of ministry. 
And so when I thought about that, I was like, you know what? I wonder how much time I spend talking about outside of ministry stuff, outside of what, what kingdom advancement looks like. But you know what? If you were to come over to our house, the conversations my wife and I have, they aren't about selling shingles. <laughs> they aren't about the people at my work. You know what the conversations we have? We sit there and we talk about what God's doing in the kingdom, how God's using us. And man, I tell you what, there's nothing I love more. I, I tell you what, it's, it's, it's such an amazing thing because what happens is, is God begins to let you come alive in what he has for you because you're advancing the kingdom of God. You're advancing the kingdom. So good. Don't let yourself get distracted from that. Don't, don't, don't let yourself get distracted and don't fall asleep on that because, man, I'm going to tell you what, when you do that, the enemy's, the enemy's going to be right there ready to pounce on you. Uh, funny story about that. We, uh, this was in training, thank the Lord, but we were out on a patrol and we had to duck. This really has nothing to do with this. I just thought of this though. But <laughs> uh, we, we were ducked down because when we were doing training, they would have like this regiment and I fell asleep. <laughs> it's like, we're on patrol and I fell asleep. And my, my, my team left me. And then, uh, yeah, so anyway, don't fall asleep. You'll get left behind and the enemy will get you. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 make it work. Uh, last thing, if you're taking notes, I'm going to spend some time on this, is uh, God's, God's called us to win the war. God's called us to win the war. God's, God's already declared victory. You understand, we've got to step into it. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, uh, Tuesday, I was praying over you guys. And as I was thinking about this point, uh, I, really, I really feel like there's some of you guys in the room that are, you're, you're in the battle of your life. Like you are fighting the battle of your life. And, and I think when we, when we get to something like this where God where you hear someone sit here and say, hey, God's, God's called you to be victorious. <laughs> like, I think if we're not careful, you could sit here and you go, yeah, that, that might be good for somebody else, but that's not what God's called for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think where it really stems from is it's because we don't know who we are in Jesus. Like, we, we struggle with that identity. We struggle with it because we're going, it just doesn't feel like that's what he's called me to do. Like, I know that that's great, and I know that that's what his word says, but man, Josh, if I'm being honest with you, I don't, I don't feel like a warrior. <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I have any area of victory in my life. And one of the things that I want to caution you against, and I know we talked about this this weekend already, but man, you're not your past mistakes. Like, you're not. None of you in here are too far gone for God to reroute the path that you're on so that you can, get, you can achieve the victory and the call of the, the will of God for your life. You're not too far off. Like, I, I understand this, you, I, and here's what I want you to hear. I want everybody to, someone needs to hear this tonight. You were called to be victorious. That's who you are. That's who God designed you to be. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, with, with the world that we live in today, we, we, we find ourselves in this hyper-feminine, you know, ideological stuff to where it's like, hey, we want to suppress, we want to suppress this stuff. Like, let's, let's, you're, you're not called to, you know, 
be powerful or you're not called to have victory because it just, it doesn't look good on the other side. Listen, I'm not telling you though that you need to go lord over somebody or pound your chest or just come in screaming. But I do think one of the things that you have to understand is like God's, that's what God's called you to do. God's not called you to be passive. God's not called you to be apathetic and just stand on the sidelines and go, well, you know, it's just, it'll happen through somebody else, but it's not going to happen through me. No, no. Listen, man of God, God has called you to be a victorious warrior that fights, that protects, that advances his kingdom, and that wins the war. And you know, I think so often we, we hear this and we have this thought process. And this thought process that we hear is like, okay, I'm going to leave, and man, I'm going go, to go home, and I'm going to wage war, and I'm going to be victorious. And then Sunday morning when you go to church, the battery in the car is dead. <laughs> and your kid had a blowout. And so now you've got crap all over your hands with a car that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, right? Thomas, if you want, you can go ahead and come up, bud. But, or you find yourselves in a situation where you're like, man, the credit card bill came due. And I, man, I'm just, I'm trudging along. Or, or your kid gets, you know, sent home from school because he bit somebody. <laughs> like, I know we laugh, but this is real, right? Like, this is real. And we find ourselves in a situation where we go, man, I just don't feel like I'm moving towards this end goal of being victorious. Let me help you understand something. If you don't get anything else tonight, what I want you to get the, is this. Winning the war is not a destination for a later date. It's being faithful and obedient with the assignment God's given you today. It's being faithful and obedient with the assignment that God has given you today. You know, I think about the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus wasn't just victorious when that tomb rolled away or that stone rolled away from the tomb and he walked out and defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus was victorious when he submitted to the authority of his mom. Jesus was victorious when he told this, the devil, it is written, it is written, it is written. <laughs> Jesus was victorious when he washed the feet of his disciples. He won the battle. Jesus was victorious when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Father, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And guess what? Jesus was victorious when he rose from the dead. And he stands in victory today. Vic, vic, victory is not a destination that we'll some point, at some point get to. Victory is what God's called us all to walk into today. So I ask you this question. You want a great marriage. What are you doing today? When's the last time you wrote your wife a note? Told her how much you loved her. When's the last time you, you told her how grateful you were that God put her in your life? Being free from porn and being victorious from porn is, 
is not, hey, I haven't looked at porn in six months. It's going, you know what? I got a safety net around me. <laughs> I ain't looking at it. I took everything. I got, I got passcodes on my TV that my wife knows. You know what's crazy? Pastor Ken is one of the most incredible men that I know, and he doesn't have access to the password on his television. You know why? Because he's victorious in that area. He's victorious in that area. He's, victori- he's, he's got victory today. He's got victory tomorrow. And guess what? He'll continue to have victory because of the decision that he made today. Let me say this. Like some of you, you're going to sit here, and I don't want you to be offended by this, and I'm in the same line as you, but you're going to sit here and you go, you know what, man, victory for me looks like 20 pounds lighter <laughs> or 30 pounds lighter. God's not called us to be out of shape. God's not called us to be couch potatoes. Victory is not 30 pounds down the road. Victory is deciding, you know what, I, you know what, I'm going to have a salad. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) uh, Students, (laughs) students, you want to be victorious in life? How are you handling your high school classes? You cheating? Are you studying? Are you leading the way? Guys, listen, God's called for us to be victorious. And it's a call for every single one of us. Whether you're 13 or 75 or 42 or 36, it doesn't matter. God's called for everybody in here to be faithful and obedient with the assignment that he's given us. And I promise you this, we all understand what that assignment is. That assignment is that we protect ourselves and we protect our family. The assignment is that we look at God's word and say, okay, I know I need to advance the kingdom of God. How would you have me advance that, Lord? What does that look like for me? and go and run with it, and then it's to win the battle. Not the battle that you're going to face tomorrow, not the battle that may or may not happen, the battle that you're facing now, and it's being faithful and obedient to the call of God on your life today. I want to read this verse. I love this verse. It's found in Joel, (laughs) Joel chapter 3. I love it. Joel chapter 3, 9 through 11. Say to the nations far and wide, Get ready for war. Call out your best warriors. I got a room full of warriors in here tonight. Call out your best warriors. Let all your fighting men advance for the attack. Hammer your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Train even your weaklings to be warriors. Come quickly, all you nations everywhere. Gather gather together today in the valley. And now, O Lord, call out your warriors. God's called every single one of you to be victorious and where you're at. And he's put the heart of a warrior in every single one of you. If you guys would, bow your head.